It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Lighthouse Faith Podcast, Moving Forward in Truth and Love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book Lighthouse Faith. It is one of the most mysterious books in the Bible, the book of Revelation, the last and final book. As biblical scholar Dr. Richard Baucom writes in the Oxford Commentary, most readers find it baffling and impenetrable and they don't know how to read it. And I'm adding to that, let alone understand it. Its apocalyptic predictions are usually referenced by end times prophecy enthusiasts. And in fact, the word revelation actually does mean apocalypse. It was written by the Christian prophet John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos in Greece. There he was visited by the resurrected Jesus Christ, who gives John the revelations, these messages. And it begins with seven proclamations to seven Christian churches in Asia. And it's the area we now refer to as part of Turkey. Seven churches are called by the names of the towns they are in. They are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Theatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now, the seven churches are early Christian communities really living in conflict with the dominant Roman culture. And already you can see some similarities to what is going on today. And that is why a new documentary takes a look at those seven churches to try to glean new meaning to what the prophetic message to them says. Because if you understand the Bible, you know that, yes, the proclamations have a historical context addressing concerns of the first century or the time they were in or the time or the time they were written. But as prophecies and predictions are there also for future times. And that's why the messages to those seven churches becomes the focus of a new documentary by filmmaker and producer Tim Mahoney. His new film, The Seven Churches of Revelation, Times of Fire. And it will be released in theaters October 11th and 12th. And Tim joins me now. Welcome. Well, it's good to be on the program again. Well, it's great. You know, your company's called Patterns of Evidence. Is that what I understand it to be? Well, actually, we have the film company is called Thinking Man Films. Okay. Uh, Thinking, Man, yeah, Thinking Man Films produced the Patterns of Evidence film series. And now Thinking Man Films is going to be uh, distributing the uh, Seven Churches of Revelation Times of Fire. Right, right. Well, you know, last time we talked um, on the podcast, we talked about your film about the parting of the Red Sea and, 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 and why it fascinates you. Why does that fascinate you about uncovering evidence about the events in the Bible? I, I think it was... the. I, I, I think I was meant to do this. I mean, I, I look back in my life and I go, why is it that I am so interested in the past and the history of things? But it's really important for us to understand origin. And I think more so now than ever, because uh, so many people have so many uh, unusual ideas about uh, where, where, who they are and what they're doing and where they're going. Um, and the Bible uh, is telling us that there is a, an origin to the world that God created and mm-hmm. that uh, we were created in his image, and that he has revealed himself through time. And so as I was looking at the, I had a sense I was supposed to make a film, and I made the first Patterns of Evidence film about the Exodus, mm-hmm. uh, which became was in theaters and went worldwide on Netflix. It was very, very successful. And um, so what ended up happening, how this happened that this new film came to be, was that Christoph Hanover, uh, from Millennial Productions, he's actually not a filmmaker, he's an engineer, saw my film on Netflix in France, mm-hmm. and he thought, 
he felt like he was supposed to be a filmmaker too, and he decided to to take the uh, this sort of the investigative approach. And he knew of some scholars there that were working in the area of Revelation, and they talked about it, and they decided to go to to Asia Minor, uh, which is now modern day Turkey, and to investigate the Book of Revelation. So that's how the connection of my you know how did I get started in this. And then how did I even get over to the book of Revelation? It was really due to my interest in, in the Bible and mm-hmm. into the events of the Bible. Um, and uh, that led to someone else becoming interested and going on further and making this new film, Times of Fire. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got to say something about the island of Patmos. I mean, this is where Revelation was written by the apostle. We're not sure it was the apostle, John. We know it was a prophet. We know it was some kind of uh, prophetic uh, uh, Christian named John. It was a very common name. But my, my husband is Greek, and he went on a yacht tour of the Greek islands before I met him. And he tells a story about when they were anchored off the island of Patmos, that he and um, the, uh, the young child who was sharing the, the, um, the room, the estate room with them, they both heard voices. And they both looked up at each other and said, did, what did you say? He said, and they both said, I said nothing. And they went back to sleep. They heard it again. And my husband, and I think it, heard, it started a third time. They actually went up on deck. They checked the crew. Nobody said anything. And I think from that experience, he swears there's something about the island of Patmos that is almost, well, revelatory. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. Well, that's but, an interesting story. Yeah. Like, very interesting. Yeah. I just wanted to but. but <clears throat> The, in this film, the seven churches of Revelation, you, you deal only with the first three of the seven, Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum. Why just those three? Well, uh, what happened was, and as I've learned as a filmmaker, when you get into some subject matter, uh, you, it's too much for just, uh, it's too much to be thorough and, and to have people sit down and watch it for hours and hours. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so the book of Revelation is deep and just as I've done with Patterns of Evidence, that we've made multiple films covering the exodus out of Egypt, um, uh, there's fascinating information in the book of Revelation. And we could, you could decide, am I going to be superficial about it, or am I going to go mm-hmm. deep? And what we realized was that this film was actually uh, a four-and-a-half-hour TV series uh, yeah. that we ended up, when I looked at it, I said, I think this needs to be shaped into a, a feature film but we can't take the whole thing at once. And so we've decided to make a, uh, a, a trilogy, and it might even be a little bit more than that. Uh, so we're taking the first, we're taking the Isle of Patmos as the first part of the investigation, and then we go to the first three churches, which is Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum. And uh, from there, uh, it's still a 90-minute film, and we are going deeper into what happened at those locations uh, that these these letters were being sent. Who were those early believers, and what was this? What were these letters that Christ wanted them to to read and to understand? Yeah. What, what do we learn from the letters to the seven churches? There's something. Is there some sort of arching, overarching message that you can kind of summarize? Well, I think what we know is that Christ is coming back, and these churches. There was a message for them at that time. But it almost seems as if the message was pertinent to every generation afterwards because things are written. Let's say, let's just take the first church, the church of Ephesus. Uh, it says, you know, I, I, I'll just read a little bit here. It says, 
Um, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. You know, if I was hearing that, I'd go, yep, that's us. Thank you very much. I think we did a good job. Right? Yeah, yeah. Then there's this. Yet, I hold this against you. Wow. And that's the part where my heart would sink, would have sunk. It says, you have, forsake, you have forsaken your first. Yeah. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, that's pretty serious. Um, you're, you're like, wait a minute, we're doing all this good stuff here. And he's saying, you have forsaken your first love. And I don't know about you, but... You know, when we think about it, says do the things that you did at first. And if you think about, you know, mm -hmm. a person who is a believer, how passionate they were about reading the Bible or how right. passionate they were about meeting with other believers and going to church and getting there early and, and being in, in fellowship with others and doing those things. How many of us, and I'm talking to myself now, have that same kind of first love, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it's a message for, you know, for all of us today, even is is there is there you know why these seven churches? Because this is the this is what I find interesting about that whole section to the seven churches. Because the seven lampstands, the seven stars that, that Christ is holding, these seven lampstands. Why these seven? Because only Ephesus only um, is has an has a book in the Bible. I mean, it, it is one of the letters the Apostle Paul writes to. Um, the Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. But there's no, but, but Christ does not refer to the, the Christians in Corinth or, or, or Romans or um, Philippi. These are also places where Christians were and that are mentioned um, in the New Testament, uh, the letters that Paul wrote to, um, to them. But yet in this revelatory message, only Ephesus is mentioned as one of the seven churches that he wants to send um, you know, a letter to. Why do you, have you ever understood that? Why? I had never thought about that. That's very good. Uh, I, my, I'll have to ask that question of some <laughs> Revelation scholars, you know, why didn't uh, the Philippians get the letter or, or the Corinthians, like you're saying? Uh, but um, for whatever reason, these were on a route in a particular area. Okay. Uh, these were the churches in what would be modern day Turkey today. And uh, they're, they're, they're not as far apart from each other. And it might be that uh, when John moved into that area, for whatever reason, uh, and for whatever eternal purposes, I'm just going to be philosophical here, is that it could have been that, that those letters could have been written to multiple churches with the mm -hmm. same kind of message. Right. Because what we're seeing in these this letter, these letters that, that were read, and by the way, I didn't know this, but it wasn't as if each person or each church got a different letter. They all were able to read the letter from, uh, to each other. I see. Okay. It was like an open, you know, report card. Oh, I uh, see. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't know that before. And so the, I think that, that if we look at what's happening and as we go deeper into this, um, the seven churches of Revelation, times of fire, you're going to see these first churches, the, the, challenges that they had living in the culture that they were in um, because they were they were sticking out 
uh, like a, as we would say, a sore thumb in their community because they weren't going along with the idolatry uh, that the Roman Empire was asking to worship, you know, Caesar as God or to worship the other gods that were a part right. of that city. You know, yeah. Ephesus in particular, um, and I want to talk about Ephesus because it's the first one mentioned of the seven churches in scripture, but it's also the one that probably was the largest, um, the most cosmopolitan, sort of an illustrious city, population maybe about 225,000. There's a famous altar um, of the goddess Artemis in in Ephesus. Um, the Romans called her Diana. And this is part of the the documentary as well. This talking about Ephesus and this and this this worship of Artemis. How does that play into the Christians then? Well, they basically, um, in fact, you you read about it even in uh, Ephesians. Paul writes about it later about uh, how the silversmith they were uh, they were creating commerce around the worship of Artemis, and um, and so when Christians started to turn away from idolatry this was bad for business yeah uh, because there you know the silver the silversmiths weren't uh, weren't getting uh, sales like they wanted to have and so what you're seeing in that community is that there was actually um, what became became a riot you know to yeah. the church and you know uh, uh, they they came to the area it's this beautiful amphitheater uh, that still exists today and this is where you know they said listen if, if we have a ride here, we might get in trouble with Rome, and we've got to do things in a civil way. And so uh, what ended up happening was uh, uh, what you're seeing is that the power, and if we look at the name of the film, Times of Fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit was, was burning across uh, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and people's lives were being completely transformed to the point where they were turning from their idolatry. And this is what this film shows. I've had Revelation scholars say, you know, I've never seen as much detail about this, these churches and yeah, what really yeah. happened. You're going to see in this film uh, archaeology and you're going to learn the context and the courage that it took for these early Christians to stand up in th this type of environment and, and be a real believer, be an authentic believer. I mean, they were literally putting their lives on the line. We're going to take we're going to take a break right now here on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We'll be right back and talk about the other two churches, Smyrna and Pergamon. Um, really fascinating stuff. We'll be right back. This is Jimmy Fallon inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. We're back with filmmaker Tim Mahoney. We're talking about his new film, the seven churches of revelation uh times of fire and in this film this first film i guess we only you only talk about the first three um ephesus smyrna and pergamum um i want to get to we were just talking about ephesus but the smyrna not as well known no letters from paul to the christians at smyrna um and it could be like you were saying you know it's just all part of an area so they were reading you know everybody's everybody's uh everybody's letter and they're um, all the same region, I'm, I'm saying. Um, tell me about Smyrna. Well, Smyrna, they were uh, interesting because they were under a situation where they were suffering. And the letter basically says to them, I know the slander of those who say uh, they are Jews and are not, but are, are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what, will, what you are about to suffer. 
And it says, I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. You know, uh, be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. What's interesting about Smyrna is that there was nothing negative said at all about what they were doing. Mm. And so what we find interesting about that church is that they were faithful, and what God was, uh, you know, what Christ is telling them is that, listen, you're going to be suffering and the devil wants to put you in prison and test you, and 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 you will suffer, you know, persecution. Right. And, there's, uh, there's no there's no good news here except you know the gospel itself. Right. But other than that, it's you know yes. not looking good for you. And it's interesting because in the verse eleven it says, "He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." And then it says, "He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death." And what the is the that, second death? What is the second death? I believe, uh, from what I understand, is that is that most people we all understand that you know we're we're we, we're born and we live and then we die, and mm-hmm. uh, but the second death is is much more serious. And in the Book of Revelations later on, we're going to understand that we will all stand before God, and we'll see if our name is written in the Book of Life. And those who've not confessed Christ as and, and depend upon Him as a Savior. Uh, are going to experience not just the first death, but a second death. And that is, um, that's the death, uh, uh, you know, where we are separated from God. And, you know, and Jesus talks about it quite a bit in the scriptures, um, you know, about being, you know, cast into hell. Like so the, lake of, the lake of fire and all of that. Right, right. And, and so um, I think there's, you know, Pilgrim's Progress, when we think about the, the, the book, uh, in fact, I should talk about my uh, co-distribution uh, partner, Revelation Media. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are also involved with this. So we have three different companies, Millennial uh, Productions out of France, Thinking Man Films, uh, our company, and then Revelation Media. They made the film uh, Pilgrim's Progress, of which is, I believe it's John Bunyan, uh, his you know story of Pilgrim trying to find the celestial city. And, you know, knowing that there's a destruction coming. Mm. And we've lost that message yeah, because it's not popular. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's funny um, how things like that happen. Yeah. Right. But if you, you know, if you, if you peek ahead in the book of Revelation, um, uh, you know, the, I've talked to some scholars who said the book of Revelation is really, and, I, and I'm seeing this in, uh, Lauren, in some of my work is that, is that what I see is that God is a God of law and that there are certain laws in the universe. And I believe that he created the universe with these laws and that uh, we are under that law. And the only way to be redeemed is, uh, you know, is a need for a redeemer. Uh, and, mm-hmm. to, you know, that's that's the reason why uh, it says in John, I think it's 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And that perish is this second death that you're talking, you know, that we're talking about here. You know, I it's think that, it's very interesting, though, too, because we, we think of, yeah, God is a God of, of, of law, but God is love. And what we understand, because love is the first entity that God is, and this is what I talk right about in my book and talking about that, that law is, comes out of love. And that's what we don't understand. We think love is kind of this touchy-feely, emotional kind of thing, but it really has law and order at its core. Um, and this is why 
Jesus died on a cross because there was a law and it was broken and somebody had to pay the price. Right. Only a God of love would take the penalty on himself. And I think that's what's really been lost too in this discussion of Christianity and what it's all about. But I want to go to Pergamum because Pergamum um, is probably the most renowned of these first three we're going to be talking about. Um, this is where they have the altar to Zeus. Um, and that this altar to Zeus was actually reconstructed and brought to the museum, the Pergamon Museum in Berlin. I actually have seen it in Berlin. I went and visited the, the museum and saw it there. And it is really quite massive. It's, it's impressive, even in its current state where a lot of it was broken and parts were stolen. But Jesus refers to this, I believe, as this Satan's throne. Isn't that true? Or the synagogue of Satan or something like that? Uh, yes, uh, the throne of Satan. Yes. And uh, yes, there's, a, there's believed to be uh, uh, demonic activity uh, at a very high level here. And so, and this is what the film is going to actually show a connection to uh, Germany and to Hitler. And because they were fascinated by, by this uh, throne of Satan. And um, so, you know, uh, the Bible talks about the fact that, uh, you know, there are, there are, there's a natural world and then there's a supernatural world. There's, you know, it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And, so here it is, the early church. Uh, they're in the thick of it. They're, they're right there where this, uh, th- you know, it says, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet wow. you remain, you know, you remain true to my name. And um, so, in fact, it even talks about Anipus, uh, a person who is a faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. And so what, what's going on there is that this uh, spiritual battle these principalities have taken and have have created, uh, you know, in these, and you're going to see this in this movie. In fact, you're going to see what it looked like. You're going to see the connection through time with this uh, film. That's why I think it's so important for Christians to see. And you're also going to see the battle exists still today. Yeah. Uh, this this battle, it's 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 very present, and it's and we're still, in a sense, dealing with uh, with these challenges. But the Pergamon Church, by the way, they were sacri- they were they were kind of compromising in certain areas too. I think it, it does remind you more of something like Western culture, really, um, sacrificing or compromising on certain truths of the Bible um, yeah. to sort of get along. Um, I don't need to go on a laundry list, but I mean that's basically how you tie this into what's going on in Pergamon and those letters to the church in Pergamon, right? Right, right, exactly, and and the Church of Pergamon. You know, it says, I have, you know, I have this against you, you know, uh, repent. Uh, otherwise, I will come soon and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So he's, there's different word pictures in here. You're, you're thinking, well, is there a sword coming out of his mouth? But it's really, God is saying that, you know, you can't do the things that you were doing before. You're getting caught up with eating food, sacrificed to idols, and by committing mm-hmm. sexual immorality. Immor- and, and so I think the question then you know, so why why is this film important for us today? It's because right now we're in such a, uh, a a tension between how should we live and do we believe that the Bible is God's word and what it's telling us we need to live this way when a culture is saying a lot of things that are absolutely opposed to it and there's a, a lawlessness that doesn't want to um, 
In fact, in Romans, it says that they no longer retain the knowledge of God. And, you know, people want to throw it off. Revelation is about this, about the kings, you know, in some ways of the, of the, of the world coming together and wanting to throw off uh, the knowledge of God and the laws of God. Why is this, why is Revelation so difficult to understand? Is it because um, the author, John, was kind of in a sort of trans, trans state um, that he was sort of gleaning information from the Old Testament, from the book of Daniel, and kind of bringing it to the forefront? Why is it so mysterious in many ways? There's a number of, well, let's say, symbols and symbolism that's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that that I believe that the early church probably had a deeper understanding of the Old Testament that they understood uh, some of the code that was was written in these letters. Uh, they they understood the uh, uh, allusions to certain things. And when I've listened to other scholars uh, on Revelation, and by the way, I am learning as we go along here. Uh, I'm yeah. the executive producer. Uh, we're going to be going into more deeper into this in the next several years as we come out with the next episode of this film. But uh, what um, I believe is that uh, there are scholars now that are trying to unpack this for all of us. And my takeaway was, you know, we don't know when Christ is coming back, but we know that he's coming again. Mm-hmm. And the world is looking for a Messiah. Uh, you know, the, the, it, the Jewish people are looking for a Messiah. The Muslims are looking for a Messiah. And the Christians are looking for a Messiah. It's interesting that everyone is looking for a Messiah. And uh, this, this book of Revelation is saying that the kingdom of God is coming. And you need to be ready for it. Yeah. Uh, and what does that look like? And, you know, you remember the parable about the seven virgins and seven? Yes. Well, the, mm-hmm. I think I think there was uh, uh, I'm trying to think of it. Some some came and they were prepared. They had extra oil. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the other ones, you know, they were there. They were invited and but they didn't have it. So they went and looked for it. It's a yeah. mysterious kind of a question, but I, it feels to me that some of them weren't ready. They, yeah. they weren't prepared for the for the the journey, and I think that the reason why this film is important, and I, and, and, the, and there's a verse here. Every time it says uh, after the letters to each of the churches, it says, "He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." That's an interesting phrase that we take for granted because you've heard it before. He who has an ear, well, most of us do have ears, but you can hear but not hear. You can hear but not understand and i think that's the deeper meaning understand this um, and it takes time to understand it one of the things you talk about with pergamum and the altar the zeus altar that's in um in in berlin um you say you bring this out in the documentary that the architect who built the podium for hitler modeled it after this altar in pergamum right that's my understanding. Yes, and uh, have you ever been there to the to, uh, to the um, museum? Yes. Yeah, I, I was thinking, uh, uh, but not in Turkey. I've never been to the one in Turkey. No, uh, to uh, the stadium too. Um, no, I've never been to the stadium. No, uh, Nuremberg, and no. uh, where all this. I stood at the very spot where Hitler stood, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he was creating um, a a, pra- a place of great. Uh, propaganda, and I mean, he had a, an amazing vision for 
you know, they were they were basically the Third Reich was Reich meant a thousand years or millennium. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I, as I try to get back to your question, I think that that um, the Pergamon altar and the the uh, connection between Satan uh, has been going on throughout the centuries as we're in this battle for the kingdom of God to come. And uh, each time there are antichrists that are rising from this. And you could look at the early church and say, well, Caesar, as you're going to see in this movie, uh, you know, there's this wonderful story about, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the name of this, the, uh, the one who was martyred. Uh, Antipas. Uh, uh, he was one of them, but then there was another one, uh, an older gentleman. Uh, uh, what is his name? Uh, he anyway. The the point is is that is that people were laying their lives down because they they could see something much greater that was coming. Yes, that the kingdom of God was coming, and I think the question and the challenge for for us today is, do we really see what's coming? Do we behold the glory of what is going to be coming? The fact that, uh, Lauren, that you and I, if we're believers, will live for eternity. I mean, if you just said, I'll live for a billion years, but if you said a billion, billion, billion years, right. I mean, to have the gift of eternal life was such a gift that these early believers didn't count it any, you know, I mean, it was painful for them to, to lose their life, but they knew that there was something greater coming. And it really depends on, do you believe it? I mean, the Bible, I was telling people when I talked to them about the Bible, it's, it, it, you have to believe it in order for it to work for you. If you don't believe it, then it holds nothing for you. Um, you know, you can know about God, but to know Him, you have to experience that presence right. in your life, and that's a whole different, whole different way to live. And one of the things that the Book of Hebrews talks about, which is very powerful to me, it's like, and this goes on this theme of do you believe it or not, is that the Word of God is like a double-edged sword, you know, separating soul from spirit and joint from marrow, and um, it is, it you know, it is a, um, you know, it's it's the the word of God is active, and powerful, which means it has power in the world, and it um, lays bare the soul of every part of creation to whom we must render an account. No, no being is, I mean, all beings are naked and laid bare before this person before you must render an account. Now that's either true or not. And I think that's the kind of thing that Revelation gets at is like, okay, so if God's word is true and the Bible's word is, is Bible is God's word and Revelation is part of the Bible, then, then maybe pay attention to what it's saying and really understand it. And I don't think most of us don't really understand it. At least I don't think I understand it to that level. And, I, and that's what I'm hoping that will happen by uh, starting to get a deeper understanding, because this is the last book that was ever written in the Bible. So it's there for a very powerful reason. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I do remember now the name. It was Polycarp. And why is yeah, Polycarp's Polycarp. testimony? Yeah, his testimony. You know, they, they basically wanted him to recant his, his faith and just, uh, like, you know, just acquiesce to the, uh, to the culture and, and, you know, give praise to the Caesar and, and say that he's a god. And... He couldn't do that because he knew. He said this. He said, for 86 years, I served the Lord, and he did me no wrong. How can I leave the Lord who saved me today? Yeah. Powerful. And so here's my here's what I would like to just share with this is that, you know, the culture is 
is really wanting us to um, deny the truth of God's word and the, and to deny uh, the events of the Bible, of creation and a lot of uh, other events, and, and to live a certain way. And God is saying to us, no, if you're going to follow me, this is my word and this is true. Yeah. And I think we have to be like Colleen Parp and say, uh, the Lord has done me no wrong. You know, how can I how can I leave the Lord, you know, yeah. and deny him? Well, Tim Mahoney, I want you, I want to thank you for being on um, Fox uh, from Lighthouse Faith podcast here on foxnews.com. The documentary is called The Seven Churches of Revelation Times of Fire. Um, where will people be able to see it? We have an uh, easy website. It's uh, seven churches dot com and it's the number seven the numeral seven and then mm -hmm. churches.com that's the website and they can go there we're going to be uh, october 11th and 12th as a fathom event nationwide and then on october uh 26th later on for people and that can't get to the cinema there'll, there'll be a cinema virtual cinema event as well so they can see the film there but if they go to that website they can see the trailer they can read about it and they can get um tickets as well so Okay, great. I want to thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Let us know when uh, the other part of the film comes out about the other four churches. Will do. Yep, it'll be next year. Okay, thank you so much, Tim. Thank you, Lauren. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity Podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.